Hi, everyone. Hello, nephew community. Um, my name is Alf Carroll. I am a nephrology clinical science liaison up in the Boston area covering the New England territory. Thanks for being with us today for our Voices from the Community podcast. Today, we are excited to talk about healthcare challenges in the transgender community, and we have the pleasure of um, meeting with Mariah Henderson Cadigan, who is a physician assistant at Tufts University up in the Boston area. And I will let Mariah just introduce herself. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, so as Alf said, uh, I'm Mariah. I'm a physician assistant. Uh, I work in college health. Uh, and I also do education for uh, physician assistant students on working with LGBT populations and specifically on transgender health. Perfect. Thanks for being here today. We're excited to have you. Uh, so we're going to start just by going through some, some definitions uh, when we talk about sex, gender, sexuality. So because there's a lot of vocabulary and it can be easy to get things mixed up. So when we talk about uh, sexual orientation, so this is you know who or how people are attracted to uh, other folks if they are. So words that we use for this, you know, we talk about people being gay or lesbian, bisexual, asexual. Uh, there are a variety of words that people use and, you know, we care about sexual orientation from a perspective of we want to know our patients and we want to know about their lives, but we also care about sexual behavior, which is, you know, what they are doing with their bodies and with other people. So gender identity is something that is separate from sexual orientation. Um, and what this is, is how someone feels about themselves broadly just in terms of maleness or femaleness or something else-ness, um, none of the above-ness. Uh, it's a complicated, you know, it's a complicated topic. It's not particularly easy to explain. Everybody feels and experiences their gender differently. People's sense of gender, you know, may be something stable throughout their life. Um, you know, you're growing up and, you know, you might think, oh, okay, I'm a girl. And then for the rest of your life, that's how you identify, um, you know, identifying with the word woman later on. Some people, you know, identify as one thing when they're younger and that changes as they grow up. And the broad kind of categories that we use to talk about gender. So we can talk about people being cisgender, which means that their gender identity aligns with the sex they were assigned at birth. So somebody who identifies as a woman and at birth uh, was identified as female. And we talk about people who are transgender as folks who identify with a gender other than the sex they were assigned at birth. So this could be somebody who was assigned male at birth and then down the road uh, identifies as a woman or identifies as a gender, you know, not having a gender, um, being gender fluid or non-binary. So having a gender that isn't distinctly male or distinctly female. There's such a wide variety of words that people can use because there's just such a broad spectrum of genders because um, it means something different to everybody. So that's great. Thanks for sharing with us about gender identity. So for example, um, I personally was born male and I identify as a man. So I am a cisgendered male. So Mariah, I was wondering if you could touch a little bit on biological sex. Yeah, so biological sex is, you know, something that we can see and measure and, you know, 
it is it is something that we can see. So this is when somebody is born, um, the doctor says this person is a male or this person is a female. And biological sex doesn't necessarily fit into those two categories. There are folks who are intersex and there are a variety of ways that this can present. So there are some chromosomal differences or hormonal differences, um, ways that people's bodies respond to certain hormones that can affect you know, how they look, um, how their body functions, uh, their fertility. You know, ultimately with all of these things, with sex, gender, and sexual orientation, there's such a wide variety of experiences and bodies and, and relationships between people's identities and their bodies that, you know, it's important to, you know, have vocabulary and be able to like, listen and talk about this with our patients um, so that we can really understand who they are and, you know, what we can do for them. So thank you for sharing that. So I wanted to touch a little bit on pronouns. Um, do you mind sharing with us the definition of pronouns or how those might differ? So the short of it is pronouns are how we talk about other people when we're not talking directly to them. Uh, so there are gendered pronouns. So she, her, uh, he, him, but those pronouns don't necessarily work for everybody. So we use gender neutral pronouns sometimes. Um, and the most common one is they, them. And the way that you would talk about somebody is like, oh, um, you know, I'm seeing that patient. Uh, they said that they're gonna come in next week. Ultimately, you know, we use that pronoun a lot. We use it if we don't know the gender of the person we're talking about. Oh, someone left their bag here. I hope they come back for it. Um, so it does, you know, on paper, it might seem strange to you, but in practice, it's something that tends to flow really easily. So that's great. Thanks for sharing. So can you explain to us a little bit what that actually looks like in practice? Let's say you're seeing a patient and um, you don't know their pronouns, what, what would that look like? So, you know, it can look like just, just what you said, you know, you don't know their pronouns and defaulting to they is a very safe and respectful measure. Um, it can be really distressing for trans folks to have the wrong pronouns used for them. If somebody, you know, wants to be called he, and if those are the pronouns they use, he uses, see, um, but, uh, it might be really distressing for this person to get called she. And, you know, if you have to take a guess, if you're not sure what someone's pronouns are, if you haven't asked, um, picking they is generally not going to be distressing for folks. Um, and in terms of how you ask, you know, a lot of medical record systems have a way of taking this in now. So when our patients check in, um, they get to list what name they want to be called by, which is a really important part as well, uh, making sure that we're not just referring to patients by the right pronouns, but also by the right name. Not everybody goes by the name that they were given at birth. And this isn't just true of trans people. Some people go by their middle name and are never addressed by their you know, legal first name. Um, but so when people check in at our clinic, they have a space to put the name that they use and the pronouns that they use. And we can, you know, we'll review that when we start seeing the patient, you know, we can confirm medication allergies and, you know, I have on here that you use she and her pronouns. Is that right? Um, and, you know, it's, it's easy once it's, if it's ingrained in your system, it's easy to remember to do it um, and to make sure that, you know, we're 
charting on patients in a way that's affirming. You know, that's the thing is if you're talking to a patient, you know, you're mainly using you. Um, but in the notes, if somebody has an access to their medical records and, you know, they look and see that the doctor who has been affirming and respectful during the visit is charting on them and using the wrong name, the wrong pronouns, that still, you know, that signals a lot of disrespect and might result in that person not seeking care with that provider again. Great. So now that we've talked about sexual orientation, gender identity, pronouns, let's jump in and talk a little bit about gender affirmation. So Mariah, in your practice, let's say a patient comes to you for the first time and they're um, just interested in um, gender affirmation. What does that process look like? How does that conversation go for you? Yeah. So you know, before I go into kind of how that discussion goes, I did want to touch on language. So you use the word gender affirmation. Uh, we used to talk about the transition, um, somebody transitioning, and we've kind of shifted language to emphasize that we are, it's not that somebody is, is making a change. Somebody isn't going from being one thing to being another thing. It's somebody is, you know, coming into themselves and making it so that they are presenting in the way that they are. Um, not, not focusing on it being a change. Um, but so in the, in the initial visit, I just get to know the patient. You know, these visits are, are some of the longest visits I do. We block a full hour for it, which is luxurious in medical care. Um, and, and we start off with just the gender history where I say, tell me your story. Tell me about, you know, who you are and how you figured out who you are. And some people just like, tell me their whole life story. And you know, into these little details of when they realized something, you know, somebody, you know, said something, somebody mistook them for a man and they thought that that was really great. Um, and sometimes people's stories are like, yeah, as, you know, far back as I can remember, I remember, you know, wanting to be a girl, thinking I was a girl, dreaming I could be a girl. And, you know, now I'm 18 and this is something I want to act on. So we go through that, you know, I talk specifically about their body, what parts of their body they like, what parts of their body they don't like, what sort of changes you know they want to see, um, you know what they're already doing to affirm their gender. Do they go by a different name than the one that they were given? How do they dress? Um, you know what what they're already doing to feel good about themselves. And then we go through medical history. I want to know about their personal medical history. I want to know about family medical history, behavioral health. Um, an important thing is talking about fertility because medications that we use to affirm people's genders, as well as obviously some surgeries, uh, can make it so that somebody wouldn't be able to provide genetic material to a pregnancy or carry a pregnancy. Uh, so we always talk in the beginning, you know, do you think you're going to want biological kids in the future? And if they do, talk about, you know, freezing eggs, freezing sperm, making sure that they can have a family in the way that they want to have a family down the road. So that's great. It sounds like with these patients, you're really getting a lot of time with them to get to know them and really follow them along their journey. Um, it seems like you're, you know, you're really developing a deep relationship with them, which is great because a lot of providers nowadays don't get the chance to do that. Um, so switching gears a little bit, if someone decides to go ahead with medical affirmation, um, what specialist would you consider referring them to along their journey? So the 
specialty that I've had to consult with most frequently is neurology. Um, medication that we use for uh, feminizing hormone therapy can increase the risk of blood clots. And sometimes depending on people's medical history, I worry about neurologic complications if somebody were to develop a blood clot in the brain. So that's generally who I keep a close eye on. Some of the medications used to manage conditions like epilepsy can also be affected by certain hormones. And I don't want to be destabilizing somebody's seizure disorder um, as part of their gender affirmation. And you know, it doesn't mean that these are absolute contraindications. It just means that we have to work closely with other people, other specialties. Um, and then another field that might need to be consulted with is nephrology. So one of the medications that we use as part of feminizing therapy is a potassium sparing diuretic. And we do keep a close eye on people's kidney function while they're taking this medication. We wanna make sure that potassium doesn't go too high. Um, and we wanna make sure that they're, you know, feeling okay on the medication. Sometimes people will be you know, urinating too much. It is a diuretic. We've had people whose blood pressure gets a little low. Um, and so we do keep a close eye on these patients. And if I knew that somebody had kidney disease, had underlying kidney dysfunction, if somebody were a transplant patient, you know, I would definitely want them to be seen by somebody who knows more about the kidneys than I do. And then also, I know there are some challenges associated with being transgender? How would you consider this when following a patient? So yeah, mental health is a big part of, you know, the care that I provide. We don't require that most, you know, we don't require that all of our patients get mental health care. Um, you know, I, as the provider, am able to decide, you know, whether or not I think my patient needs, for instance, a psychiatry consult if, you know, I have somebody who has a history of bipolar disorder or a psych, um, psychotic disorder, I would definitely want to chat with their psychiatrist. Um, again, some of our, the medications we use can affect other medications and I don't want to be messing around with somebody's mood stabilizing drugs. Um, but, you know, there's nothing inherently, there's nothing disordered about somebody being trans. Um, the, you know, the big reason that I would recommend somebody see a counselor, see an ongoing mental health provider, is that they're going through a big change in their life. There's a lot going to be going on, not just with them and their body, but with their community, the people that they interact with, their family. Um, and so it's about managing that change and managing the stressors associated with being trans in our society. The world is unfortunately not consistently kind to trans people and having a place to talk about that, having somebody to help them cope with that can be a really important part of their care. Thank you, Nephew community for joining us today as we highlighted care for the transgender community and a special thanks to Mariah for joining us and offering her invaluable expertise and perspectives on this topic. Um, you can please check out nephew.org for future webinars, podcasts, and events, or follow us on our social media platforms. Our handle is at nephew community. Thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you here at nephew next time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye, everyone.